بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب شح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يبقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا أما بعد Respected elders and brothers, mothers and sisters and dear listeners Alhamdulillah we completed Surah Fil last week and so now we have one week. This is the week of Eid, the week of Dhul-Hijjah. I thought before, instead of starting a new surah, how about we discuss some aspects uh, of the Qur'an related to what we are witnessing right now. And this was a suggestion of some of my colleagues, and I thought, mashallah, what a um, great uh, moment to speak about some aspects of the life of Ibrahim salam. So much to speak about. And we're not going to have time, obviously, but uh, 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 we'll speak for however long Allah wills for us. And we're going to cover some ayat from Surah Safat. So I'm covering from, starting from Ayah 99 of Surah Safat. Ayah 99 of Surah Safat. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, one of the key ayats Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah Al-Anbiya regarding Ibrahim Asad's story is, of course, when he was when he was thrown into fire. And uh, of course the intention of Namrud and the king was that he burns to death. And he made it a means that everyone to watch and see him burn to death. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a simple one line which is so important and we, can, we understand this from the Quran that the story itself, like we talked about last week on Surah Fil, right? We said that the story itself is not the maqsad, not the purpose. It's the lessons behind that. And if its story is in the Quran, then 100% that means there's something Allah wants you to look at and focus and implement in your own life. Otherwise, you wouldn't not be. There's millions of things that have happened, important, amazing, great things. Allah chose very few things to be there. So if it's there, it means within it lies some amazing secrets. And look again and again. Uh, and that is the tawfiq that Allah gives to someone that he is able to study the Quran with that focus, with that lens. How can he benefit? Um, and hopefully, that's what we're all doing right now this week as we increase and ramp, ramp up our recitation of the Quran. So Allah Jalla Jalalu simply says uh, that this is the part of the story of Ibrahim, which is really important. That's why I'm sharing this, even though this is not from Surah Safa, this is from Surah Anbiya, Ayah 69. Allah says, "Qulna, we said, Ya Nar, O Fire, Kuni Barda, become cool, wa salaman ala Ibrahim, and a source of uh, calm and peace for Ibrahim Salam. Really, really important fundamental ayah here. What do we learn from here? We learn that, of course, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He is in control of every single affair of ours, and no matter what type of difficulty you were involved in, Allah Jalla Jalalu has it covered from all angles." Uh, we talked about last week uh, that when a person, any person in this world, even the highest ranking, powerful, official, president, prime minister, you go to him for something, what will he tell you? He'll say, okay, I'll help you. Uh, let, me make the, let me pick up the phone and make a call. Let me sign this document, send a fax. Let me text someone, call someone. That's what he's going to say. Because as powerful as he is, he has to still reach out to someone else. 
has to reach out to someone else. He, he most, most definitely does, is not capable of doing everything. Only a, a millionth of whatever the affairs are there. They have to have cabinet members, they have viziers, ministers, you know, congressmen, senators, secretaries, undersecretaries, a whole billion, you know, thousands of different people and positions and whatnot. So much red tape. And on top of that, still, with, after you get through that, he still needs the help of others. But for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no red tape. And there's no involvement of anyone. You simply need to convince one being. You need to convince one being. And when that's done, then Allah Jalla Jalalhu immediately gets everything in place. What did we say? Ya man amrahu al kafi wa noon. Oh, the one whose command is between kaf and noon. You remember? Kaf and noon. Which kaf and noon are we speaking about? Kun. Kun fayakun. So it is not after kun. No, it's between the kaf and the noon. That's how quick it is. And he definitely doesn't need to say it. His affairs is that whenever he intends to do something, he says, be, and happens. He doesn't have to say be. This is for you and I to simply understand how quick things happen. That's why we say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mere will equals existence. His mere willing of something that should be like this, bam, it happens. So powerful. Right? So here Allah Jalla Jalalhu is directly, he's not calling the birds to extinguish the fire with like Ababil. He sent Ababil and Firaun, uh, Abraha's army. He didn't, he didn't send the clouds, hey, come get. He could have done any of these things. It would still be amazing. It would still be amazing that all of a sudden from out of nowhere clouds are coming with rain and put in, or some animals are coming with water in their beaks and pouring it. That would all have been amazing, spectacular. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes it to another notch here. Allah Jalla Jalalu speaks directly to the fire. He says, I want you to just be just like that. I want you not to be extinguished. I want you to do what you're doing. But I'm going to take out one of your most fundamental physical property. You're going to be there. You're going to crackle. You're going to do everything. But you're not going to burn him. Selectively, I want you to just leave him out. And on top of that, I want you to change your internal property of heat with coolness. And not too cold that he needs a blanket. Salam. Peaceful. Let him just enjoy it. There's no power in the world you can imagine can do something like that. You're going right into the DNA. <laughs> right? You're going into the chemical makeup of it. And keeping everything as is and just adjusting a few things here and there. And look at the power. Allah says, Ya nar, Oh fire, I'm talking to you. Who besides Rabbul Alameen can do that? Who can do that? You can speak to people. How you can speak to any humans. You can even speak to an animal. How do, you speak to, how do you speak to a creation like fire? None besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do that. And those who follow the commands of Allah and the sunnah of the Prophet and they submit themselves to Allah, Allah also allows them to do amazing things through His will, of course. So when Allah makes a miracle happen for a prophet, what's that called? A mu'jizah. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a miracle happen for a not-prophet, non-prophet, like a wali, a friend of his, is called karama. Karama, Right? In South Africa, the, there's a term they use for the graves of the pious people there. They call them karamat. Any of you have visited Cape Town or you visited, so you might have heard. Have you heard this word, karamat? Okay, ask your friend. He said, <laughs> right? He's karamat. They, use a, they, they call the graves of the pious people, awliya, like we say in Urdu dargah, they call them their karamat. Okay? So, because they feel like these are the people who Allah had brought karamats at their hands. 
And where does a karama come from? Karama doesn't come because of anything we are. It's just simply how much we submit to Allah's will, the more Allah becomes pleased with us, and then Allah Jalla Jalalu for our assistance makes karamat happen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is making a miracle happen. And He's speaking of the fire. Just understand the might and the power. You say, Bhai Kal, I have a deposition. Dua kijiya. Dua ka, kya karume? Deposition hai. People all the time ask these things. You know, what is this? The qadi, the judge, he can't blink without Allah's will. He can't use the bathroom without Allah's will. He can't burp without Allah's will. He can't digest last night's food, this morning's breakfast without Allah's will. Right? So this is nothing in front of Ahkam al Hakimin. Who is he? If you ask Allah, you convince Allah, your affairs are done. So Allah most definitely can manipulate the judge as he wishes. If he can speak to fire, what is a judge? But I was saying this is not something that Allah keeps for himself. He gives this ijazah sometimes too. His servants. Of course, the karama, karama, but how the servants I'm saying. And I'm, I'm mentioning the story of Tamim Dari radiallahu anhu. You've heard of his name, the Sahabi who saw Dajjal, correct? Who saw Dajjal on the island. So, Umar, during the time of Khilaf of Umar radiallahu anhu, there was a, f- a fire or an, a volcanic eruption that took place. And Medina was shaking, fire was coming. People came and told Amir al Mu'min, Amir al Mu'min himself noticed. Now imagine. You know, you see like that, like like something happening. The lights are flicking, flickering. There, you say, "Bye, can you go switch off the light? Turn on the fan." Okay, simple, something obvious as that. There's a fire coming from there, from outside of Medina, through from the mountainous area, volcanoes, whatnot. Omar radiAllahu anhu, he doesn't pick up the phone call and says, "Hey, send the fire brigade." You know, he looks at a Sahabi, Tamim Dari. He said, "Hey, I want you to go. Gee, what would you like me to go? I want you to go push the fire back into the into the mountain." What? I want you to go push the fire back into the mountain. How am I supposed to do that? I'm very weak, I can't do that. He said, I'm telling you, go tell the fire. Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar told me, you got to go back inside. That makes no sense. If the Amir said it, I got to do it. If the Amir said it, I got to do it. He goes, takes his staff, and he starts speaking to the fire. He says, Amir told me, you have to go back. And literally, he started signaling it to push back. And lo and behold, the Amr of Allah is such the fire started going back until he pushed it right back into the mountain. The cave where it came from. Because Amirul Mu'mineen Umar established the orders of Allah on earth, Allah made the creation of Allah subservient to him. This is a karama. That karama is not specific to prophets. Mu'ajiza is for prophets. But the same level of, of, of power is found in a karama when Allah allows it to happen for not prophets, non-prophets. Are you following? So when you and I the doors of prophethood are closed. The doors of wilaya and, and closeness to Allah, are they closed? No. We, any one of you sitting here could be a wali or a waliya. Right? Any one of us. We can be right now or we could be in the future. Allah made the fire subservient to a tamim dari because he was listening to Umar al-Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar al-Khattab because he was obeying Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Safina, who was the freed slave of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's traveling in the northern jungles of Africa in an in expedition, years after the Prophet passed away. They're coming and they need to camp out. They need to sleep. And he uh, needs to sleep, spend the night there. And he says, okay. They said, this place is filled with uh, uh, predators and animals of, of the jungle. What are, how are we going to sleep here at night? So he stands up and makes an announcement. And he says, we are the messengers of the messenger of Allah who have come to Africa. We didn't come here for money. We didn't come here for business. We came here to establish the law of Allah on land. So I order you, 
that all of you animals that are in this area, leave now because we are camping here tonight. And the companions say, rows and rows and lines of animals, tigers, lions, whatever they were in that jungle, began dispersing. And the whole area became free for the Sahaba to camp out. Ala al-Hadrami radiallahu anhu. He's going to an expedition to Bahrain. And as he comes across to Bahrain and he's going to cross over the sea, they said, what should we do? The enemy's on the other end. There's a huge sea in between. What do we do? Ala al-Hadrami turns to his companions. Are all of you performing the sunnahs? Are all of you free from major sins? You got any tawbahs you got to make right now? This is your time. Because we're going to do something. But if any of you messing up, it's going to mess things up for us. Alhamdulillah, everyone's set. All right, let's go. Let's go. And he says, let's, run, let's put our animals, our horses and, uh, into the sea. And the enemy is watching. Imagine you see an entire army just walking over the sea. Obviously, you're going to forget about everything. You're going to see, what is this? These are not humans. What is this? They ran. And the entire army crossed over the sea without even the hooves of these animals becoming wet. The, Imam Bayhaqi, if I'm not mistaken, yes, he collected all of these stories in a book called Dala'ilun Nabuwa, the Pro- proofs of prophethood. A whole bunch of them. Many of them are found in Hayatul Sahaba, Amorana, Yusuf Kandalwi. Many of you have this book or know about this book. But it's usually taken from this book, Dala'ilun Nabuwa. There are many amazing stories like this. And what they all have one thread, one common denominator. The companions of the Prophet ﷺ following the Sunnah, establishing Allah's land, Allah's order on the land, and Allah made the forces of nature subservient to them. Be it be it the wind, be it the fire, be it the uh, animals of the jungle, be it the earth, even in earthquakes. Amazing stories that most definitely can happen till today as well, because the doors of wilaya are open. If we establish the laws of Allah on our own six-foot bodies, amazing things will happen in front of us. We, before we try to worry about the whole world, we start from ourselves. Start from ourselves. Fulfill the commands of Allah in our body and you'll see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will start making things happening. I speak for myself. I am in need most of what I'm saying. The pious of the past, when they would see their wife not listening to them, husband not listening, children not listening, camel, donkey, horse acting, acting up, Immediately, the first thing they would do is they would look at their own self to say, which sunnah did I leave out today? Which mustahab action did I leave out today? That I am getting a taste of my own medicine, as they say. That when our people who report to us start becoming disobedient, disrespectful, including animals, we've been taught to start looking in within our own selves. The problem lies within me. That's why people are not listening to me. Subhanallah. If us fathers sitting here, if we started focusing on this, how our lives would change. If each father would start thinking, the problem is myself. Each husband would be thinking, the problem is within me. Each son is thinking, the problem is within me. How many orders of Allah have I broken? If my son breaks one today, so what? I've broken a thousand, broken a thousand of my lords. If my wife doesn't respect me for one thing, so what? I have disrespected the sunnah of Rasulullah thousands of times. If my car breaks down, if my appliances at home break down, if this is happening, that's happening, so what? How many times I've broken the laws of Allah and the sunnah of Rasulullah It's a moment of reflection, my friends. What goes around comes around. This is the reality. May Allah allow you and I to understand and make, make it easy for me, make it easy for all of us to practice on this. That the blame game, you know, should not be played. We need to focus, I need to focus on my own self. Improve my own self. So here we see a miracle happening in the story of Ibrahim salam. Qulla yanar, O fire, become cool. Right, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shares with us this one statement to tell us that Allah is around. 
Ibrahim is gone, prophethood has ended, but Allah is around. Any one of us are faced with difficulty, remember that Allah can easily speak to that problem, speak to that wall, speak to that obstacle, be it a mountain, be it an ocean, whatever it is. We believe in karamat, we believe in miracles. We believe that if Allah wills, well, you're a pious person, and tomorrow is Yomut Tarwiyah. Tomorrow is a day to go to Mina. And if Allah wills, there's nothing stopping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for one, for one of us to walk outside the masjid and find ourselves in Makkah al-Mukarramah right now. Yes, it can happen if Allah wills. Does that usually happen? No, it doesn't. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to make it happen, most definitely it can happen. His creation, His creation called the jinn, how long does it take for them? Seconds, like energy, right? From here to there. All the humans, very few humans are doing uh, uh, um, Hajj this year. But there's millions of jinns and billions and billions and billions of angels that are going to be there. Humans may be few. We don't see that. So if Allah is allowing jinns and angels to come, how hard is it for Allah to, to make a karama for someone to go? Or have an angel in our form to do, to do the actions? Any of these things can happen, right? So there's no end to that. But now, what is Qulna Yanar Kuni Barda telling us? It's telling us that whenever you have a situation, do not ever think this is too big, too big of an issue to get solved. How am I supposed to, how many people should I speak to? There's so many people involved in the situation. Allah does not need to speak to people. Allah will speak to the problem itself. Allah doesn't need to get the help, permissions, signatures of anyone. We'll go directly to the problem and basically solve it. And we find this in Surah Talaq. Beautiful ayats of Surah Talaq. Allah says, وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبُ وَمَن يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بَالِغُ أَمْرِهِ قَدْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدْرًا وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ Whoever fears Allah, يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا Allah will create for him an exit. Makhraj, like you see these exit signs written there. In an Arab world, in front of this, in Saudi or Middle East, instead of this, the word exit, you'll, be, you'll see makhraj written there. Makhraj is the place from where the letters are pronounced in Tajweed, right? Makhraj, makharaj. That's what makhraj is. Allah says He will create for you a makhraj if you fear Allah. What does that mean? Meaning, when all the roads are closed, when the streets are closed, when all the windows are closed, when all the lines are, are busy, when everyone's giving you a cold shoulder, when this seems there's no way you're going to get out of this problem, Allah Jalla Jalalu is saying, I'll get you out of there. I remember, since it's the days of Hajj, let's talk about stories of Hajj. Some years ago, I was at Mina, 13th of Dhul Hajjah. Alright, final pelting, done. Or 12th or 13th, my final pelting. I had an early flight out, one of the earliest flights out. And I need to leave Mecca uh, within the next couple hours to go to Jeddah and out. And I'm sitting in Mina and I'm thinking, I just finished pelting. How am I going to ever get to uh, the uh, Mecca to Al-Mukarramah? There's no taxis on, the, on that day right now. It's full jam-packed. It'll take me Fajr by the time I get there. And the bus is going to leave within like an hour or two. So I, I hailed a motorcycle guy. Right? You saw some motorcycles, mashallah, kind of came here for. You drove on a motorcycle? I thought so, right? Mashallah. Right? You need to get your motorcycle. Baby. You have, remember, you still on a motorcycle? No? Oh, came on a motorcycle? Mashallah. All right, so we need to have that Dariwala motorcycle gang. Huh? Right? So, uh, yeah. So 
I found one motorcycle guy. I told him, take me to the haram. He saw me like some, whatever, 200 riyals. I said, whatever, I need to catch a flight. Perfect example. My dear friends, I promise you, had I, received, had I somehow paid a thousand riyals and got a taxi, it would have taken me bila shuba, bila shuba, at least nine hours. Right? We've done this many times. Nine hours to get there. This guy, he went, we went the entire time opposite of traffic. Weaving through buses, road, uh, buses, trucks, cars, everything. Just against traffic. And within about less than 15 minutes, maybe 12, 13 minutes, I'm sitting in front of the hotel in Makkah. That's what you call a makhraja. <laughs> That's what makhraja is. Allah did that. Allah, Allah provided that. Right? You're sitting there, you're like, how in the world am I going to get to my place? And you see a guy, he says, yeah, you want to ride? Here, give me a hundred riyals. I'll, you know, I'll take you. And there's no way anyone else could have thought you would have gotten somewhere like that. When all the roads are closed, when everything's happening, figuratively speaking, I gave you a physical example, and I'm talking about in figurative sense, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will get you out of that mess. That's what you and I have to learn in these days of, the, of Hajj and learn from the story of Ibrahim. I need to learn this. No matter how big the situation is, learn from the prophets that the solution is only uh, a few inches away. Raise your hands and your solution is done. That's it. Pick up your hands from here to here. A few inches and your solution is in your hands. Nabi Yunus, what happened when he was uh, swallowed by the fish and the big whale? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Nabi Yunus, he called out to Allah in the layers of the darkness. Huh? In the darkness of the ocean, darkness of the uh, clouds, darkness of the dark night. Some brothers just went scuba diving recently and they were telling me ajeeb things. They were telling me that ayat of the Surah Nur, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, thoughts come to my mind, I'm sharing it with you. Uh, they said that ayat of Surah Nur, the ayats of Surah Nur, what does Allah says? The, how a disbeliever leads his life. How what is it? Like layers of darkness. In a very deep, dark sea. One wave upon another wave. Layers of darkness upon one another. Until if you were to take out his hand, he won't be able to see it. So this brother went scuba diving in, down south in, you know, in Gulf of Mexico and he was telling me amazing things maybe some of you know this it was pretty surprising he goes in for the first he went 120 feet down 120 feet so for the first 50 feet you know it's light you can see everything you can, and he showed me video of it from his phone uh, on his phone that his, with the lights you know, the camera was attached to the equipment and it recorded it you can see things then he went through about 25 or 30 feet of this fog like material Pitch. You can see it. All of a sudden, the light shirt. Nothing works. 100% dark. And he said, literally, I couldn't see my hand. Literally, I could not see my hand. The lights are nothing. You can't see nothing. And he said, that's the eye I remembered at that time. And he went through that fog, like material, or whatever sulfur it was, or I'm not sure what it is. And then he said, as soon as you get out of that layer, bam, again. Your light is on, and you can see crystal clear. Crystal clear. Below. All right? And then he showed me a video there that when they arrived there, he found an entire small island with a tree growing from it, surrounded by these white clouds, which it was basically thousands or hundreds of years ago, was an island on top that had fallen and sunk all the way to the bottom. Right? And it was just sitting there, surrounded by this some beautiful, you know, white cloud-like material. Ajib Nidam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's crazy. Right? So this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, he was sitting at the bottom, we don't know how many feet below the sea was this, this huge animal. And Yunus is sitting inside there. 
And now he's calling out to Allah. Scuba diving still is not as crazy as inside the belly of this animal. And he says, La ilaha illallah. There's none worthy of worship besides you. Subhanak, glory be to you, Allah. Inni kutubin al-dhalimeen. I am from amongst the oppressors. Right? That's the way to out. We talked about in the, uh, the other dars the other day. The thing, the closest way to get to Allah, min babil in kisar. Allah, Allah ke pochna ta kai darwaze. Lekin ajizi aur in kisari, ye sabse quickest darwaza. Quickest. Okay? In kisar. You humble yourself in front of Allah. There's nothing that gets you to Allah quicker than humility. Just lay it down and say, Allah, khalas. Hands up. Hands up. I, I, you know, I, I surrender. That is the best way to de-escalate the situation. If you run, you're going to get a taser and then probably shots fired nowadays and khalas, the end of that. Don't run away from Allah. Don't run away from Allah. Just say, hands up. Ghalti yogi. I'm sorry. Finish. And you'll see that's the quickest way to de-escalate the situation. The one who's repented from a sin is like the one who's never committed a sin in the first place. This is what you call ajizi. So what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we responded to him. And we saved him from his worry and sorrow. Great, that's an amazing story. What about for me? What's there for me? And in this very same manner, we will save the believers from their depression. We will save the believers from their worry. We will save the believers from their situations. SubhanAllah. So every single Quranic story is for you and I. There's lessons in here. And similarly, this is the lesson we learned from Qulla Yanar Kuni Barda. I want to add a little bit uh, different uh, aspect to this uh, surah or this ayah as well. This is based on experience of the scholars. Okay? Based on experience. The Quran, my brothers, Subah Shamu, no matter how much you sit, you will always be able to take out new, le- new, new lessons. And you have to come to visit the library or a library, Islamic library, to go check out the tafsir section. You all should, right? We have a small library downstairs, even that. And you're like, really? Is this how much tafsir there is there? This is however much we have is still a, th- a millionth or a thousandth of what's out there. One, one uh, each scholar has written 20, 30 volumes on, on, you know, on, on, on tafsir and hundreds and thousands of scholars till, continue till today they're right. So you're thinking, you, don't you think that if this is the word of Allah, that it has got, it's, it's got power? Lati mein agar taqat hai, gun mein taqat hai, electricity mein taqat hai. This is all creation. Electricity, stick. This is all creation of Allah. Quran is not the creation of Allah. Quran is the spoken word of Allah. It has more power than any other creation. So, sarkadarad nahi dur hoga usse. You don't think your headache can go away by the Quran. You don't think your situation can get solved with the Quran. Of course it can. So that's why I'm going to tr- give you a little treatment. Here, medication, share with you. That this ulama scholars have said this ayah is very effective for someone who is suffering through fi- from fire. What fire? Fire of lust. Fire of lust. And you can also say fire of, of anger, but we have another ayah for fire of anger, which is That's clear. Rasulullah said that. He said, if you, see, if you are feeling angry, then say, and you will leave whatever is you're causing you anger, it will go away from you. But that's a hadith. This is not a hadith that I'm sharing with you. This is a statement of and the experience of scholars. They said a person who puts his hand, like for example, puts his hand on his heart or focuses on his or her heart, and the method would be to recite the Sharif, recite Salat Alam Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam three times, seven times, five times, odd number of times, and then recite this ayah. Ayah sixty seven of Surah Anbiya, the one we're discussing. Qulna ya, ya nar. We said, O fire, kuni barda. 
become cool wasalama and peaceful ala ibrahim you read it a number of times 9 10 11 21 times and then you end it with durood sharif i promise you sitting in the masjid not lying if you recite this with yaqeen and conviction inshallah tabarak wa ta'ala any shaitanic attack and of it's inciting you for lust will be controlled i have shared this and people have come back to me and said thank you this was a game changer for us every time shaitan comes to us alhamdulillah we recite this right so i, I it, what it only requires what is a secret ingredient yaqeen yaqeen separo yaqeen separo inshallah tabarak wa ta'ala and share this with people as again i said it's not a hadith this is a statement and a practice of scholars their experience of it and alhamdulillah my own experience with giving this to people has shown to me mashallah that people have found it to be very beneficial of course on, on terms of their yaqeen if you have yaqeen then it will be solved so this is one aspect of, of Ibrahim Aisatullah's story. Now, going back to the actually the ayah of surah of the ayahs we're discussing. Which surah we said we're discussing? Which you're going to surah Safat, right? Right. So uh, the story of Safat. This is this is so powerful, and this is uh, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala speaks about in surah Safat when He um, spoke to Azar and He spoke to the nation. And they said, no, we're not interested in listening. And that whole story happened. Allah says, فَأَرَادُوا بِهِ كَيْدًا They intended to plot against him. فَجَعَلَّهُمُ الْأَسْفَلِينَ So we made them from amongst the low, lowly ones. Unane Ibrahim Islam ke khilaf tadbir ki aur humne unko gira diya. Right? We, we, the, what goes around, yani, uh, what do we say? Allah, um, we usually, you've maybe heard in this dua in... Uh, uh, actually, this is a dua. Of, this is a, uh, this is a verse of the Quran from Surah Fatir. That the evil plotting doesn't harm anyone but the ones who come up with it. Evil plotting meaning you dig a hole for your brother, you fall in it yourself, type of thing. The, those who plot evil, whether someone else gets hurt or not, it's a different thing. But definitely, the plotter he will definitely fall in this. Alright, just remember that. Whoever plots and knives, he will definitely have to pay the price sooner or later. And this is gonna happen. So that's what Allah says. They intended to harm Ibrahim Salam, we destroyed them. Then what was the response of Ibrahim Salam to his people? He tried to give them da'wah. He tried to give da'wah to his father. It wasn't working. What did he say? He said, I may Allah ke alaikum. That's what he said. Indeed, I am going to my Lord. Sayyidin, inshallah, he will guide me. Soon he'll guide me. What does this mean for you and I? When you're faced with difficulty, you and I need to say the same thing. Someone tells me their wife, but she's been, he's been trying to convince her to wear hijab for 10 years. She doesn't want to wear hijab. Someone says, trying to get their sons to be, listen to read Quran, praise Allah, not happening. What are you going to do? This is what you got to say. I'm going to turn to Allah. I've said as much as I said. Same story. Ibrahim loves his father. He tried, 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 tried. It didn't work. Then he didn't start cursing him. He said, okay. Instead, he cursed him. And he said, I'm going to pelt you with stones. I'm going to kill you if you don't stop. The father said, right? Or the uncle, based on different narrations, Azar said. 
He said, okay, fine. If that's the case, I'll, I will do, I'll go and ask Allah. And I'll go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does going to Allah means? Going to your basement. Quietly. Put the musalla out and praying. Going to your back office. And to your private office. To go pray. Sitting in your car and coming to you, going to your local masjid to pray. Right, sitting in your parking lot, coming out of a meeting, frustrated, sitting in your car, opening up the Quran and reading. That's your dhahab ila rabb. That's what you mean going towards Allah. Finding your spot. Some have said, dhahib ila rabbi means like going to hajj. Well, we can't go for hajj this year. But dhahib ila rabbi is going for hajj and umrah. Definitely. We now make this intention. All of us have the means. When you have halat, when you have means, go. Jump on a flight, go for umrah. Not for a vacation. You don't even need a hotel. If you really need if you're really going to solve business, you don't need a hotel. You spend the three days in the haram, in and out. You're going for a business trip, real important business trip to England. You're not going to sit there and tour London. You go there for a purpose, sign the deal, try to get back on the next day flight if you're in business. Who wants to sit there, man? You wanna, you're tired of this stuff. You're going to Makkah, Madinah, not for shopping or hotels. You're going there to go get stuff done, business. So if you have the means and the doors open up, inshallah, you go. My, one of my teachers, I'm the prince of our madrasa, Marana Shabir, back in South Africa. I don't know the exact situation. I was here, I had already graduated. But there was a duration of time where Allah opened up ways for him and he was going through some conditions. The madrasa was, or he was, or whatever it was. Remember, you guys know what geography. Where Johannesburg is, where's Jeddah. Direct nonstop flight is about eight and a half hours. Okay? He would teach Monday through Friday and Saturday. Saturday morning he would teach. Till 10 a.m. 10 a.m. class, Bukhari. Then jump on a flight. Go to Makkah. Do Umrah. Go to Medina. Do Ziyarah of the Prophet. Come back to Umrah. Do, a Makkah, uh, do another Umrah. Fly back and be in class Monday morning. Months in a row, I'm told. Months in a row he did. MashaAllah, he's still alive. Alhamdulillah, give him long life and health. And, uh, you know, months he did this in a row. That's what you call karama. <laughs> Don't you think so? Don't you think so? Never missing class. Teach till the last minute. And Monday you're thinking, oh, she's not going to show. There he's, he's on time before everyone else. All the students sitting, chalo, bhai, kitab kolo, chalo, shukaro. <laughs> like, what? What is this? <laughs> right? Weeks and weeks and months. If, if, on the story of Karamat, because he was, he, was he was in Dubai in transit. Apparently he had an 18 hour transit. And he's sitting there scratching his head and he's like, wherever he was going, he's like, what should I do? 18 hours is a long time. He went to the counter, purchased a ticket for, for, uh, for Jeddah. Went, flew to Jeddah, hailed a taxi, went to Makkah, did a Umrah, then told the guy, you just wait here. No hotel, of course. Went to Medina. Did Ziyarat Rasul for like half an hour, one hour, two hours. Told the taxi driver, wait. Told the driver, take me, take me back to Makkah. He said, I'm too tired to drive. He said, you sit, I'll drive. Drives to Makkah, does another Umrah, goes to Jeddah, flies back to Dubai to catch his flight. Two Umrahs and Ziyarah of the Prophet during the transit of 18 hours. That's what you call karamat. Seriously. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, this past Hajj, there's those of you who might be listening who are with me in Hajj. We had the honor of hosting my Ustad, same Ustad teacher, in our bedroom, in our room, in our hotel room. So it was awesome. The group loved it. We were able to sit with him every single night. He did a majlis of dhikr and bayan. Every night for four or five nights he was staying in our hotel. And the people, they were just, just like shocked. This is your ustad. Oh my God. Like they actually were able to witness these karamat that I'm talking about. Right? 
And I enjoy speaking about stories like this because say Iman taza hota hai. Your Iman gets rejuvenated. These people, they're not just in like walking fake people or people who are of the past. He abhivi zinda hai. I say, look, there are people like that. What's the common denominator? What did we say? What did they say? Huh? What did, they, what did these awliya do to get karamat? What did they do? Submit to Allah and the Sunnah of Rasulullah. Bas. You have that ingredient, you will see Allah will make things happen. I can speak till Isha on this. Of me going with him. See, I, I want you to listen to this. Everything's closed. Wake up. Bayazim. Chalna. Fajr ke liye. Ya, tahajjud ke liye. Ji, Hazrat, chalenge. Let's go. Up, he holds my hand, you know, walking. Hazrat, sare darwaze band. Everything's closed. Right? Everything is closed. Nee, nee, nee. Mulay Azim, don't worry. We'll get in. Hazrat, how are we going to get in? Juma, everything's closed. Mulay Azim, don't worry. Wallahi, my boys, my brothers, I'm telling you. Not once, not twice. Every single time I went from him, I, this ayah, whoever fears Allah, Allah opens up ways for him. And he's, just, he's an elderly person. He was suffering like stage 3 cancer. Chemotherapy, everything. He lost his beard. He lost his whole color changed. Everything. I was on the verge of death. Allah gave him shifa. He lost like 60, 70 pounds. He's, he's mashallah in his like, you know, mid-60s. And he got all sorts of other things. Walking with his cane. He's just, I'm barely trying to keep up with him. Are you kidding me? Within two to three minutes, we're sitting inside the mataf. We're sitting inside. How did you do that? Like, what did you just pull off? I don't know. Every single time I've walked with him, mashallah. And it's not once. Many umrahs and hajjahs, alhamdulillah, have been blessed to be with him. And may Allah allow us to be in the company of such people again and again. Say, I mean. But I've seen this. This is what you call karama. This is what I mean. And it's inspiring that you and I can, I can become like that. You can become like that. All of us can become like that. And I'm saying I have none of this reality in my heart. But may Allah make me and make you and I like that. That we really become the people of Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes ours. So what does it mean, inni dahibun arabi? Jumping on the flight? Not necessarily. What does it mean? Finding your spot, your corner to go cry to Allah. That's what we all need to do. When you have issues at home, whatever it is, turn to Allah Jalla Jalaluhu. And Sayyidin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inshallah guide you to whatever the situation may be. Okay. Then the next ayah, he says, Ya Allah, Rabbi habli min salihin Very important, brothers. I hope I'm not boring you all. Okay? Huh? I have to be very cognizant of my, of my congregation. We have to speak to ourselves. Rabbi <laughs> Sahdin. He says, I am... Uh, uh, I'm going to my Lord. He says, Rabbi Habli, oh Allah, please grant me a pious person, a pious child. Now, this is the important discussion for all of us. Grant me a pious child. He, is, he has no kids right now. But he's not just saying, Ya Allah, bache de do, ladka de do, ladki de do, or whatever. He's saying, Ya Allah, mujhe nek de do. That's what I need. It's not of having 10 or 20 or, 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 or boys or girls. It's about having pious children yes healthy of course but without pious children what does that mean my brothers Billah, there is no greater asset than having a righteous pious child no greater asset your Lamborghini your Ferrari your, your yacht your mansion everything will come to an end the day you and I leave this world hey any we know that but the thing that will not end is a righteous child that stays after us that's going to come with our janazah help us we get buried you know tuck us into our grave read the duas and, and the ayats of the Quran at our grave and then walk away and says now it's time for me to work for my pops now it's time for me to dedicate my life 
خلاص, he's resting. Now let me work for him. He worked a lot for me. Now it's time for me to work for him. The real work. He took care of him when he was old and, and whatnot. No, the real work starts. Dad's dead. I, you know, now he starts working. One of my classmates from Darum, South Africa, his father passed away yesterday. So he's just posting on a group. He says, my father passed away. My best friend passed away. Right? And, and then we said, well, well, many of us are fathers. Can you talk about what your father was to you? And he mentioned you know, some qualities of his father. Someone who would never scream and yell at him, but always was there to put him straight. As a Maulana too, he said, no one could speak to me and tell me straight besides my dad. He would tell me, you know, no matter who you are, hey, you're my son, you gotta, you gotta straighten up and be my friend at the same time. Always comical, com you know, would, would solve difficult things through nice, nice soft words and be a, a stone for, our, you know, a rock for our whole family. Was, kept, me, kept us together and whatnot. Now you have a Maulana who is a masjid imam of a masjid and whatnot. Now he realizes his work starts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue preaching and teaching people and hopefully this reward will be going to my dad. That's what you and I all need to desire and wish. That we want a really cash cow, right? What's a cash cow? It's not a, you know, some sort of investment in New York, or downtown Chicago, some really nice rental property. That's going to end when you and I die. A cash cow is righteous children that will continue our legacy and even go beyond that after we're dead. So this is something that, we, that he's, he's asking for. He's saying, Ya Allah, give me a righteous child. That Allah, salih, nik. That he will be a, comes a means of bringing righteousness in the world. My dear brothers and sisters, the ulama say, and if you have a righteous child, value it. And I see parents come to me, because I'm in this unique place you know in our community where we get so much you know communication with so many different families and whatnot there's so many parents who are crying about their sons and daughters who become disobedient to Allah and to them and they're saying can you please come can you come to my house can you somehow enroll him in our in your summer program can you somehow just give him some job give make him a volunteer we'll pay you money just hire him can you do somehow you know keep him here and then you have these other parents whose kids are so righteous, so pious, God-fearing people in my eyes, and who want to come study in the summer, come and do the one-year program, come want to do, come want to do the Alam course. And their dads say no. Their moms say no. And the kid is begging, and literally, literally, That's how they speak to me. They speak to me as though they're doing a favor to me that they've allowed their fervor, son filled with fervor wants to study deen that they're allowing him to come study. I'm talked down like that to say, you know, we're allowing him to study with you. And I, I, I feel like I just wish I could put you into another person's house. Who'd, wallahi, he would sell his house. I promise you he would sell his house and live in an apartment and give you that money to replace his son with your son or bring these qualities of your son into his son. Do you want, so what, what am I telling you here? If we have a righteous child, be it son or daughter, value them. Thank Allah for that. Don't take them for granted. Because anything can happen anytime. And Allah could switch us with someone else. I have, I'm blessed with children too. And so this is advice to me. And advice for all of us. They may not be, I mean, who's perfect? Right? It frustrates us. 
I'm sure I'm, I become a means of frustration for my own parents all the time, the things I do wrong. And my kids become a frustration for me. But let it not become blinding from the fact of the beautiful, beautiful qualities that they do have. Yeah, they're not perfect. But they've got, I'm sure all of our kids here have some beautiful qualities. They've got some naked, some pious. None of you are, have a child that is pure evil. No, not possible. They've got beautiful qualities. Let's be aware of those qualities. Highlight those qualities. And keep on focusing on those qualities. And even if we see something wrong, say, mashallah, you got these amazing nine qualities. That one quality that's not, not, not so good, don't you think these nine should overtake that one small one that you have? Every time, just focus on one weaker quality. This happens to me as a father. We get blinded from the beautiful qualities he has. We only see the nine wrong things. No, he's got nine beautiful things and one wrong thing. And if you see more than, literally you have more than one thing you need to work on, at any given time, don't focus on more than one. Talk about these nine are already there. Positive reinforcement. Nine are already there. Mashallah, you can do it. Let's just get the other one thing taken care of too. MashaAllah, then the next time will become these 10 are already there. Let's just take care of the, this 11th one that's a little bit weak. Salih, pious child in this zamana, biggest blessing. What else do we understand from here, my brothers and sisters? Is that our focus has to be on the tarbiyah of our children. Tarbiyah of our children. Itni mehnat doctor engineer lawyer to I'm not saying don't do that. Definitely, if my son wants to do that, alhamdulillah, no problem. But be neki, neki, taqwa, taharat, paki, pagdamani, piety. Please, we have to focus on that. What's the point of all of these professional careers if he doesn't have taqwa in the fear of Allah? That money that he's going to be earning, five, six hundred, seven hundred K, a million, two million after you die, if he starts spending it on haram, who's going to get the sin for that? Think about that. Trips to Las Vegas, trips to Miami. Huh? Who's gonna get the sin for that? Where is today's young crowd who's making bucks? You guys know. You guys know. Where are the young, young professionals with tons of money? What are they doing? We're not on deen. Crazy things. In the month of Ramadan, the last Ashra, brother, where are you going? I'm going to Mexico. Uh, brother, I mean, I'm t- I've explained. What are you doing in Mexico? This is Laylatul Qadr, man. Just, you know. I'm in Las Vegas. What are you doing? The real stories. Just be. Like literally, just because you have money, you're gonna do that. Who your Who? My parents, for most, did not just taught them how to earn. Didn't teach them how to earn Allah's pleasure. Didn't teach them how to handle the money. They just taught them how to make it. Didn't teach them how to do that. That's the rule we gotta teach to our own kids. I have to teach it. You have to teach it. Fear of Allah, piety, sifat. Work on sifat. No school can teach this. The way you and your wife can teach this. The way you and your husband can teach this. Piety and righteousness. We have to ask Allah. Notice he's asking, the chi- he's asking this before he even got a child. So dua for the kids starts before you even have a baby. So imagine how much dua we have to be making after we have the baby. And after they're going up. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? We listened to his dua. And we gave him a forbearing boy. Forbearing. My dear brothers, what do we what is forbearing? This is the best of all character. May Allah grant us this. Sabr, patience, forbearing. 
we've has been mentioned in one of the statements al-hilm sayyid al-akhlaq forbearance is the leader of all character kad al-halim an yakuna nabiya a forbearing person is almost a prophet a forbearing person almost a prophet this is the sign of prophethood you all have heard this from sira that the person wanted to come and test out the prophet sallallahu correct a bedouin who wanted to test out the prophet and he yanked him jerked at him right he spoke very harshly and yanked the shawl around the prophet's neck and all of these things and he misspoke to the prophet and when the prophet was calm he took the shahada and he said i wanted to test you out because i heard that the prophets are forbearing and i wanted to see if you're a prophet or not that's why i pushed you to your limits for a human limit and you responded to me with such kindness and calmness and you had to be a prophet Let's ask ourselves, do we have that in ourselves? If we don't have it, how are our kids going to get it? Now you're going to say, where does forbearance come from? How, what is it? Where? Forbearance is connected to Iman. How so? Iman tells us that Jo kuch ho raha hai, wo Allah ke hukum hi se ho raha hai. Jo Allah ne chaha, wohi hoga. Jo Allah ne nahi chaha, wo nahi hoga. Chahe wo kitni bhi Whatever is happening in my life Even if I don't like it It cannot happen without Allah Willing it to happen It happened because Allah wanted it to happen That's Iman, isn't that? The Prophet ﷺ said No servant has reached the reality of Iman Until he knows Whatever hid him Was never meant to miss him and whatever missed him was never meant to hit him. And he, whatever he received and achieved, he was never going to miss it. And whatever he missed out, he was never going to get. Be it a marriage, child, business contract, whatever you want to call it. You have to have that. You can never become a true believer until you believe in this. So a forbearing person, when he's faced with difficulty, he says, I guess Allah wanted you to act like that with me. Alright? It's not your fault. If I get upset at you, I'm in reality getting upset at him. So, I'll take it. You want me, you want me, yeah, this is sent from Allah? Alright, I'll take it. Whatever Allah wishes, I'm happy with that. That's Iman. Someone was asked, how does the world run? He said, according to my wishes. What? How does it run according to your wishes? He said, yeah, because I made my wish subservient to Allah's wish. And whatever's happening is according to Allah's wish. So the world's running according to my wish. Allah's. So, I mean, that's what we're speaking about here. Hilm. How did he have this hilm? Because of the iman of Ismail alayhi salam. No matter what comes his way, okay, this is what Allah wills, take it, So may Allah grant us iman that will make us from amongst those who are forbearance in any situation. Now, talking about pious children, the Prophet said, إِذَا مَاتَ insan, When a human being dies, inqata amaluhu, All his deeds come to an end. إِلَّا مِنْ ثَلَاثِ Except from three things. Number one, صَدَقَةٌ jariya. A sadaqah that will be continuously giving you benefits once you're gone. Digging a well, building a masjid, a madrasa, donating to a library, whatever. Number two, ilmun yuntafa'ubihi. Knowledge that people can benefit from. Third, waladun salihun yad'u lahu. A pious child that can pray for you and supplicate for you. So we have to make effort on our own children so that they become pious. Number two, invest in children who are already becoming pious. What do I mean by that? Will my sons or daughter 
become graduate as hufaz and ulama? I wish they do. Will that happen? I don't know. I wish. But the students, for example, who are studying here, they already have been chosen by Allah to be from those who are going to serve the deen. By us spending our wealth on them and basically in our mind adopting them and saying, Ya Allah, I'm taking care of this son or daughter of, uh, of the ummah, their expenses and whatnot or their needs. So because my own son, I don't know what's going to happen or daughter or Allah forbid someone's, yeah, his children, he doesn't have any kids or they're not righteous unfortunately or old, they don't listen to him, whatever. Or even they do. But you still want to have some investment going on. This is what I say. When you, mashallah, all of you donate to the masjid and madrasa. Make that intention, but that I'm donating for this intention that I want to raise one son over here, one daughter over here. And make this in my mind is an adoption. Right? I have adopted this and presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like some brothers have told me, they said, we want to pay for a tuition of a scholar every year for one student, I want to pay for seven years in a row. So I don't know if my kids will become ulama, but at least in my mind, I know I have actually helped become one person an alim, full seven years. And inshallah, Allah will give me the reward for the rest of his life for whatever that scholar does. Think about that. Something simple as that. And if we don't have the money for it, okay, you can collect the money for it. You can ask people for it and say, this is a project, I want to sponsor a student a year. Or I want to take care of a classroom or a library, whatever. But I want to broaden the horizon of how someone may say, oh my God, I got to go home and whip my kid and say, wake up for tajud. That's not how it works, right? That's the wrong thing to do. There's so many different ways. Yani you have to practice through action with softness and turn to Allah beg. And in the meantime, support. Some, you want your son to be a hafiz? Support an orphan. Not only a Darussalam, anywhere. Pay for a kid's tuition who's doing hivs. There's thousands of them and millions of them in the world. And say, Allah, I'm hoping that through this effort of mine, you'll make my own son a hafiz. Or my own son a hafiz or alim or alima, whatnot. Alright? That's, that's what we are speaking about here. He grew up. He grew up, now he's the age of running with his father. What does it mean running? Some people say it means he was running with his dad doing effort of dawat. He was, you know, going to people's houses, inviting them to deen, this, that. Or it means he was running around the house. He, so what happens when you're running around the house when seven, six years old? They're so lovable. They actually help you. They're, they're helping you fix your car, helping you fix your dinner, helping you fix your barbecue grill, whatever. They're, they're, they're not old enough to give you problems, you know, those type of problems. They're young enough to be of, uh, helpful and, you know, mashallah, that's a beautiful age uh, that's there. So now, you, you, there's only so much that they can get angry. You get angry with him, but subhanAllah, by the nighttime, everything's over. And he, it's, that's what I love about kids at this age. I mean, I, I get upset at them, but subhanAllah, may Allah give us such clean hearts as our young kids. When you walk back home, Baba, I don't want to hug you. Just, I just yelled at you like pretty bad, like you know, like an hour ago when I left. Like what happened? They forget. Control, I'll delete. Just like that. They're amazing, aren't they? They don't, they don't keep grudges, man. They don't keep grudges. Little kids don't keep grudges. And we need to, that's what hilm, that's what we're speaking about. Right? You just, just give up, forgive, forget. It's so beautiful sifat that little kids have before they become polluted by society. So he's in this phase. He's running around with his dad. And you and I probably have our heart-to-heart conversations with our kids. And if we don't, we need to start having them. You know? Usually, usually my kids will beg me for a story. Right? I was on your story. But based on some of the advice of, you know, some things I heard from one of the students, I was like, oh, khalas. You know, sometimes they say, Baba, the other day he told me, can I share a story with you? I'm like, yeah, great. Because I'm tired of, I don't know how many stories I should come up with. And I don't know why I have, like, look at how I'm speaking right now. Naturally, just coming to my mind stuff. 
I have, I have a mental block when, I, when I'm trying to sleep, put him to sleep. I, I, I was like, I li- I'm like, I speak all day. I've got so many stories. Why can I not tell one story to my kids, right? It's just, it seriously happens to me every day. I don't know why. So he told me the other day, he said, can I, can I share a story? And I was like, go ahead, please. So he told me some story of some cartoon figure or what, some book he was reading and whatnot. Right? But the thing is, that's like the conversation that needs to happen. Baba, do you know this? Yeah, of course I know this cartoon character. Yeah, you just told me right now, so I know it, right? That's, that's what I'm thinking in my mind. But you're building rapport. You're building rapport with your kids. And they say, okay, Baba actually knows this and knows that and whatnot. So he's having this conversation. I'm trying to put this into perspective over here, my fathers and mothers. He's, he's having this beautiful conversation with his son. And one day, he's speaking to his son. He says, yeah, Bunaya, my dear son, not even my son. My Chunnu, my Munnu, my Berta, my Laddu. Inni Alafil Manam. Uh, I actually saw a dream Yeah, Baba, what did you see? I saw a dream too What did you see? I saw a dream that I'm slaughtering you I saw a dream that I'm slaughtering you What do you think about this? Literally, just like that Imagine you're gardening outside With your son You're going to go pick up some bagels and coffee Early morning breakfast And you're having this conversation That you'd have every day And you say, son And he says, gee, Baba And you say, I saw you that I saw in my dream, I saw you, that I was slaughtering you. And then you don't just stop there, that there was a horrific, you know, horror <sighs> nightmare. You're asking your son, so what do you think about this? And the son, he just says, Ya Abati, not my dad, he said, my beloved dad. Mere piyare abu, abu ji. Ifa'al ma tu'mar. Do as you've been ordered. Do as you've been ordered. I know it's going to be hard for you. He's not talking about himself. Indeed, you will find me to be from amongst the patient people. I'm not going to squeal. I'm not going to make a noise. I'll make it easy for you. He's not just a child. After receiving this gift after 100 years of age, 100 years of age, he's receiving this son. And then he's Halim. What type of Halim? He's a prophet. He's going to become a prophet. The greatest qualities you can ever imagine. And now, you're being asked by Allah to sacrifice the most beloved thing. This is why I'm speaking about this topic right now because we are three days away from Eid. And he says, indeed you'll find me to be most patient people. فَلَمَّا أَسْلَمَا Allah says, when father and son both submitted. This is the key point. They both what? Aslama. Anyone know another word that resembles this? Another word that we always use that is the, comes from the same derivative? What is that? Aslama. Seen. Lam. Meme. Anything else? Muslim. Muslim is from the exact same root word. Muslim is the one who submits himself. Aslama is a verb. Muslim is a noun. The one who does it. It's a Muslim. When you're a Muslim, think about that. Aslama, are you and I doing aslam? Aslama meaning two, dual, father and son. Aslama. My brothers and sisters, my dear listeners, not every command you're going to understand the wisdom behind it. Aajkal kya hai? And I'm, I'm, I mean, this is talk about it. They say, by yil molvi log ne din ko mushkil kar diya hai. The scholars have made Islam difficult. Din ko asan bana. Chhapai. Hamko ko extra brownie points milte hai Allah se To make deen difficult You know Chalo jitne log ko aap jannat se rokhenge Utna aapko ziyada saw milega 
the more people get dis- disconnected from Allah and they say, forget the deen, mashallah, we get in a higher level. Of course not. Our job is to get as many people into paradise as much as possible. So one, four schools of thought for the past 1,450 years, 1,400 years said something is not permissible, not legit. Then you will find someone, and you will always find such people like that. They say, no, 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 I found an opinion there that says it's permissible. What will happen? That will become trending on Twitter. That will become suggested by YouTube. That will become paid post on Facebook, come in your advertisement. That will come on your, what do you call that? Huh? Yeah, the... What's that word? The, uh, the news feed, right? The feed. Oh, and then they'll say, MashaAllah. Our local Imam is not like Why is a local scholar like this? It's called Alami Soch. It's called Firasat. It's called Roshan Khayal. Say, you know, this is what you call farsightedness. This is what you call, you know, endowed with wisdom. What is that? That's something that the whole Ummah said is haram to find a way to make it halal. And then say, this makes sense. This makes sense to me. Seriously, right? Well, what makes sense to you, my friend? If you're, you're of construction, you are of medicine, if you guys tell me something complicated, and I say, yeah, that makes sense to me, aren't you going to say, bhai, what are you talking about? What makes sense to you? Tell me. I mean, I don't even know what you're talking about. All these intricacies, you're comparing two types of procedures, you're comparing two types of engineering designs. How, I, this is not my field. How, who am I to sit there in khamakha, you know, just come up and say, huh, this makes sense to me. Na picha, na pichla, na agla, na koi background. You just say, this makes sense to me? Well, that's what's happening today with the deen. That anything that makes it easy for the nafs, this is very good. Very good. Right, this is what you're talking about, why, what it has to do with over here. What Nabi Ibrahim is being asked to do, you're going to have a very hard time trying to make it logical. You're going to have a very hard time trying to make it sensible. You're going to have a very hard time trying to show any type of mercy and love and compassion in this story, in the command. Other ayats, other, other maqsa, like zakat, asan, someone may You got to take care of the poor, you got to purify your wealth. Very, yeah, it makes sense, right? Sacrificing your kid, and that's why these Christians and Jews, unfortunately, those who are becoming atheists and amongst the Muslims, they actually, astaghfirullah they make fun of and blasphemy, making fun of Ibrahim and this whole story. I don't want to give credit, you know, credibility, but there are some people within the modernist um, camp. Re, you know, the ones who are just trying to reconfigure the whole theme. You may have heard about this. Huh? Yeah, but even beyond contemporary. These guys are progressives to another whole degree. Uh, or regressive, however you want to look at it. And they have actually, you know, I don't want to say in this mic, itne ghaliz alfaz istamal kiya about Prophet Ibrahim. Such horrible words ki aap kam jaoge. Like, and you call yourself a Muslim scholar? Seriously? There's no doubt that's kufr. No doubt that's kufr. But she has said statements regarding Ibrahim and how he left his wife, feminist, feminist approach, and have, has called Ibrahim the most you know, blasphemous of things. That's what's going to happen. If you're going to follow the deen of aql, you're going to say things like this. 
Hajj, what aspect of Hajj? Going around a cube, counterclockwise seven times. How does that make like, logical sense? Why are you walking and running around in two pieces of white cloth from one mountain to the other? Why are you leaving Makkah and going to Mina in the middle of a desert? Makkah is sawab ziyada hai ek ek namaz ke ek lakh, not in Mina. Why are the hajis going tomorrow to Mina? Are, you know, sitting there, acha hotel tha aram se, Makkah mein aram se namazein par sakte the Kaaba ke zahme. Tomorrow the Kaaba, on the day of Arafah, on Thursday, the Kaaba's ghilaf is going to get changed. If someone says, oh man, I got to see that. Or Arafat chhod kai. Does that make sense? It's not allowed. But logically you say, come on, I want to do it. I mean, nafs to kehta hai, karo. Nafs will say, let me go and go see what the Kaaba, the ghilaf being changed there. So the whole Hajj teaches us that deen is not about what makes sense to you and what doesn't make sense to you. Deen is what Allah wants and that's it. Agar you can understand the wisdom of it, mashallah, great. That will help you teach people. But if you don't, then you're not going to say, if it doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going to do it. Or Today, the educated crowd, which is pretty much all of our well-read youth, they all get stuck over here. Because they're well-read about everything. Mostly useless things. So when it comes to the matters of deen, they're like, ah, that doesn't make sense to me. What's the wisdom? What's the hikmah? What's all that type of stuff? And when people start asking me this, I get very scared. Very scared. You know what I mean? It's like, gari it's like, very soon, it's not going to run further, maybe a mile or two, it's going to be out. Right? That's a very bad sign. When you keep on asking, but why, but why? So even with your kids ask you at home, tell them, I'll give you an answer if you know it, or I'll find out, but say, that's a wrong question. You're not, you're not, your reward doesn't come after understanding. You know, get it? The thawab comes in aslama. If Allah said it, khalas, it's done. Whether it makes sense to me or not, doesn't make a difference. And that's why Ali radiallahu anhu said, if deen were to be followed based on logic, you heard this before? If deen were to be followed, if deen was based on logic, then what would happen? Agar deen mein aqal ke hisab hoti thi, qiyas ke hisab se, mantik ke hisab se hoti thi deen, deen ka akham. So phir what? Then he said, Huh? He said that in wudu When you instead of washing your feet You make masah right When you have your leather socks or whatnot, You would make masah at the bottom Instead of the top Why are you making masah on the top of your feet When you masah When you have your socks Do we, do we wash the feet the bottom Right, do you? Are you thinking? Or you're just kind of shocked, shell shocked right now? It's like, what's going on over here? You, you make masa from the top, right? Even though there's no dirt there. The dirt, is, if any, would be at the bottom. But why are we doing that? Because that's what the deen taught us, period. This is not some, Imam Hanifa said this, Ali Radhalana said this. Simple command. We do it because that's what he told us to do. We, we don't wipe the bottom. We, we wipe the top part. Ek misal de di khalas. That even if you say, no, har chi sabar mati, ye samjau phir. Hajj, explain hajj. People say, no, riba, I don't understand interest, why it should be haram, you know, this is that. You know, people always argue about things on that. Correct? 
Yes or no? On this issue, that issue, it doesn't make sense. How can, it, how can we ever you know, thrive if we don't take riba and interest-bearing loans and this? All people will say all different things. Bhai, it doesn't make a difference. The issue is that there are certain things that the command has been mentioned with the wisdom and like fasting, to create taqwa. Zakat, to zakihim, purifies you. Salah, aqim to remember me, pray salah, etc. But here, there's been no reason mentioned. Slaughter, khalas. And that's where the real asal rang pata chalta hai. pani That's when you understand. My brothers and sisters, this again also applies to us. That you and I, many times in our life, will be faced with difficult choices to make. One, what the nafs says, let's do that. And the one is a command of Allah. One makes complete sense to us, but one but is against the order of Allah and one that doesn't make sense to us, doesn't make sense to our spouse, doesn't make sense to our kids, but you deep down know that's the command of Allah. It happens in everyone's life. This story is for you and I at that juncture to remember that if we want to succeed, you only get sometimes one chance. If you prove it to Allah that you are willing to submit and close your eyes and trust Him, then amazing things will start happening. And if you cannot trust him, you go to a sansei, uh, what do you call the instructors? Your jujutsu instructors? Huh? And he does some crazy moves sometimes? Yeah? You get scared? Yes or no? Okay. If you say, ah, I don't trust you, he's going to say, get, get out of here. Get out of here. I'm not going to waste my time teaching you. If you can't trust me, I'm not here to kill you. I may say something that may look extremely dangerous to you, but you have to trust me and do it. Whether you're learning fencing, you're learning j- 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 Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're learning something else. You have to listen to your trainer and mentor. And if you don't, he's not going to waste time. He's like, get out. Once you start learning how to trust me, I'll teach you. Same thing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ke kya hukum hai mujhe samman minyar. Aang ban kar ke chalo. Just close your eyes and walk and then you will see, you'll get stuff happening. So, ulama say that when, when you start doing an action, even without understanding the wisdom of it, because you know it's proven from Sharia, Allah will gift you with something. What do you think He's gonna gift you with? What do you think? Huh? I can't hear you. More yaqeen and knowledge. What type of knowledge? Huh? You no, know, you don't understand the hikmah, and you still did it. What is Allah gonna gift you with? Allah will give you the understanding of the hikmah of that. You'll understand why you have to do that. You get what I'm saying? You won't find that in a book. Maybe no mufti around even knows that because those are things not written in books. But you just close your eyes and do it. A year later, two years later, you turn back and say, oh my God. Am I not right? Can you not all think of this in your own life? When you close your eyes and it did, you know what was right, you did it. Even though it didn't make sense to you. Now you turn back, hindsight, 2020. Vision, right? And you say, Acha, ye thi usme hikmat. Agar me wo amal us is hukm par amal nahi karta, to ye natija nahi nikalta. If I didn't practice this this aspect of the deen, this need of this would not I would not be in this favorable condition. Okay? So this is really important point right now. Submit, submit, submit. If it makes sense to you, if it doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't make a difference. Now am I saying that deen is against logic? I'm not saying that. Whatever is mentioned as a reason for it, accept that. But if it's not mentioned, then don't say, I'm not going to practice it until I understand the reasoning. Okay? 
You all drive cars here. How many of you know exactly how the, how the engine and how the car works? Maybe some of you do. Uh, I don't necessarily know all the aspects of the car. But alhamdulillah, I can still drive at 80 miles an hour. I can still enjoy the AC. I don't know how the heated seat may work. I may not know how the you know, acceleration may work. I may not know how the fog light may work. I may not know some other, whatever, aspect of the car may work, but I'm still able to benefit. What does that tell you? In order to benefit something, you do not need to know the details of it. That pretty much is for everything. If you know, if some of you know how to, <laughs> mashallah, about cars, okay? So you can, you know, he knows a lot about cars. You, you might not know a lot about jet engines. You might not know a lot about, about you know, NASA spaceships. But you can still, you can still benefit from these, all these things, even in all of So the deen is there for our benefit, even if we don't understand the hikmah about it. Does that make sense? So you have to tell yourself. Now, if someone spends eight, nine years studying, and then slowly starts getting into the wisdom of certain things, that's, I'm not saying that's bad. That's good. That's what you call moving from an abid to an alim. From a worshiper to a scholar. And of course the reward is more at that time. Because now you can also teach people and tell people what, happen, what happens. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? وَتَلَّهُ لِلْأَسْلَمَ uh, He submitted, both submitted to Allah. وَتَلَّهُ لِلْجَبِينَ He put him face down. Why did he put him face down? He can't see him. I mean, it, most definitely all of us fathers can say we'd rather take the bullet than, ha than have to kill our own son. We'd rather take the bullet easily. They say the heaviest janazah, heaviest thing in the world is for a father to lift the janazah of his son. SubhanAllah. May Allah give patience to the fathers and mothers who get tested like that. SubhanAllah. So he put him down. And as soon as he began to do that, immediately we supplicate, we called out to him. He said, Oh Ibrahim. That's all. Bas, bas. We don't want torture. We don't want heartlessness. No, 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 no. If you are Rahim, your son is Halim, I'm Arhamur Rahimin. Why would I want that from you? I'm just testing the limits to see of how, what degree you and your son are willing to submit. This is the training to go, that is going on. Training. You have proved your dream. You have proved yourself. And you have showed that you are worthy of being Khalilullah and your son being called Dhabihullah the one that's been sacrificed for Allah Khalilullah the friend of Allah Inna kadhalika nadzil This, in this manner we will reward not you and your son anyone who does good we will reward him like this and we ransomed him off and switched him with a very amazing sacrificed animal This is the key point. Indeed, we reward people who get tested and pass the test just like this. Indeed, this was a very big bala. What does bala mean in Urdu? Test, musibah, test. Indeed, this was a very clear test. And you succeeded. My dear brothers and sisters, my dear listeners, I'm going through test, you're going through test. In deen and in dunya, in terms of our spouses, in terms of our children, in terms of our health, in terms of the education, in terms of our finances, whatever the situation may be. The story of Ibrahim is filled with wisdom, mashallah, from all aspects of it. And that's who we are commemorating within these days of the Hijjah. And it is to revive that same beautiful sunnah that on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, you're encouraged to go slaughter an animal. Besides the feeding that you're going to do overseas, go yourself and slaughter an animal. There's no way we can match this sacrifice. 
But think of this story when you go. Encourage other people as well. People are 40, 50 years old and never sacrificed animals. At least we can do this, man. Come on. Come on. We dirty our hands with meat every day with our steaks and, and all sorts of stuff. Why not at least for the sake of Allah? Donate it. Give it all in the path of Allah. No problem. Donate it to the needy. But go and sacrifice an animal to revive the sunnah and to think about what subhanAllah Nabi Ibrahim and Nabi Ismail went through. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable myself and all of us who are listening here to practice on all the amazing points that were shared today from the Quran and allow us to revive the sunnah of Ibrahim and Khalilullah and Ismail Zabihullah. May Allah make all of us to follow the, these footsteps of Ibrahim. May Allah make our sons and daughters, uh, sons follow the footsteps of Ismail. May Allah make our wives and daughters follow the footsteps of Hazrat Sarah and Hazrat Hajarah. That's what we have to ask. The whole family was an amazing model family for our wives and daughters, sons and ourselves. May Allah grant us the ability to, to make the tarbiyah properly. And may Allah make all of our children salih and pious and righteous. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us righteous as well. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to benefit tremendously from the remaining two days of the hijjah here, of the first days, ten days of the hijjah. May Allah grant us accepted uh, ibadah of fasting, of tahajjud, and accepted duas of yawmul arafah. May Allah accept the Hajj of the Hujjaj. May Allah grant all of us accepted Hajj and Umrah very in the near future. May Allah remove this fitna of coronavirus from the entire Ummah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring shifa to all those who are sick and grant Jannah for those who have passed away. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.